I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything, yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's, it's so real to this day. I, I I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? (laughs) We did it guys. One that came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Hello, my name is Demetrius. This is Jason. Morning, everyone. And you are listening to Spaces Podcast Express. Thank you for coming back. Uh, Second episode of Express. And Jason, today we have a friend that's joining us, Zach Torres. For our listeners, he is an assistant vice president with Fidelity National Title Group, the largest provider of title insurance and escrow services in the nation. As a licensed title insurance agent for the past three years, he specializes in working with commercial and residential real estate developers, home builders, lenders, attorneys, brokers, and engineers. Zach defines his role as a brand ambassador, sales executive, and account manager. His day-to-day activities include business development, business-to-business relationships, client management, customer service, and negotiation. Uh, Zach enjoys great outdoors, hiking, snowboarding, surfing, golfing, and time with his family and friends. (laughs) His favorite meal is ribeye steak, loaded baked potato, and a glass of Malbec. Highlighted projects include Rams Charger Stadium, Inglewood Transit Connection Line, Angel Stadium Redevelopment, Lewis Master Plan Community, and Empire Lakes in Rancho Cucamonga. Zach Torres. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. A pleasure to be here. Zach, so just to give our listeners a little bit of insight, Oh, and thank you for the uh, dating profile at the end of your <laughs> your bio. Yeah, I pro- my girlfriend probably wants me to 
scratch that from the bio. <laughs> so I'll go ahead and do that for the next uh, time we have a conversation. That's pretty funny. So for behind the scenes, a uh, little peek behind the curtain, Jason and I uh, know you from Next Gen and just a little insight of what that is. It's a young professionals group in the building industry. And we, there's a local chapter here called Next Gen. Uh, so we met through that. But anyway, thank you for joining us. Uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about your job, what you do, get a little insight into uh, what it is that you do. So you want to jump in and, and tell us a little bit about kind of what your your role is outside of what, what was covered in the bio? Yeah, sure. I mean, the, the bio was very good, so I'm glad I, uh, <laughs> I nailed that. But uh, it's actually become a little different now that we are in still quarantine uh, rules and regs, but uh, we are certainly a business that will remain open regardless of quarantine restrictions. Title insurance is a major component of any real estate transaction. And uh, in order for real estate to progress and for transactions to occur, you have to have a, a title insurance company involved. And it's, uh, it's a challenge, but I continue on a day-to-day -day basis to reach out to my clients and see how I can be a resource on the front end and on the back end of any real estate transaction. And so that's just making a, a ton of calls and, and checking in with my clients, see how they're doing and, and see how they're evolving as uh, we get further along down this quarantine trail uh, and the, the uh, pandemic that's going on right now. But in a typical situation, a normal day-to-day -day operation, I, I'm out there, I'm seeing clients, I'm involved in committees and organizations like the building industry, of Orange County and the association and ULI and NAIOP reaching out to new young leaders as well as current existing members of those chapters and organizations and then just you know cold calling I mean it's it's sales role and you've got to meet new people constantly it's like dating uh, 365 <laughs> days a year and uh got to be somewhat good at it I I, I guess I'm okay I've still got a job so <laughs> So let's let's jump back real quick. What is a title? What what is a property title? Can you explain that a little sure, bit? Sure, sure. So when you um I mean it is I'm gonna preface it by saying it is different for every type of real estate transaction. Obviously there's several different asset classes, and what I mean by asset classes, the different types of property that are out there. People trade land, people trade commercial buildings like office or industrial warehousing. And then you have your simple home buyer who is just buying a new home uh, or a recent or an old home from a from a private party. Um, you want to get a title insurance policy when you come into vested ownership of a property, and preferably a clean title report. Uh, and what I mean by clean or at least semi-clean and insured title policy is that uh, there's no there's nothing in the history of the property that's going to affect your vested interest. Now that's more complex for someone who's just buying raw land or vacant land that doesn't have any structures on it. It basically got a database that goes into the history of the United States of anyone who's owned that property, which is a very interesting uh, component to my work, uh, is we're basically collecting information about a property that's from its origins, from when for someone first wrote on a piece of napkin that this is mine and they've their best interests tried to figure out the boundaries uh, of their property. And we're dissecting that and trying to provide clear and accurate descriptions of what someone owns and then who's got title to that property. 
So in summary, it, you want to have an title insurance to policy to protect you from things that may have occurred in the past, any defects to that legal description or a history of that property. So you can feel comfortable at night uh, financially and legally. Should something arise that may negatively affect your property, we as a title insurance company will assist you with the legal fees associated. So more complex depending on what asset class you're talking about, but a straightforward property or a property sale, you'll get an insurance policy. It's a one-time fee and it's good for the life as long as you own it or your family members on that. And on the insurance side, it's just covering anything that, that comes up that, you know, wasn't, uh, wasn't foreseen on the title? Yeah, we call it defects in title. Gotcha. So um, you're, you're, you're doing a research on the history of that property and we're doing it as people, you know, people make mistakes, uh, insurance companies make mistakes, researchers and examiners are doing the best they can to generate a report that says this is everything that's affected your property since the beginning of that parcel segregation. Yeah. All, it doesn't always happen as clean as you want it to be, but uh, we do our best and that's why you have several options as an insurance company, but things do happen. But the key to remember is unlike a car insurance policy that may protect you for things that happen in the future hmm. we protect you from things that may have happened in the past gotcha <laughs> yeah it was funny i was chatting with uh someone for actually for this podcast and he was giving me some insight into kind of the evolution of construction and talked about how title was exchanged back in the day and it was like there was no insurance <laughs> there was no no one that really looked into the history of your property so yeah there was exchanges of property just literally written on a napkin or a piece of paper with no information about what happened on that site. And then you end up finding out, you know, years later that there's something buried under there or something happened there or it's poor soil or whatever the case is. Mm -hmm. um, so it's uh, interesting to get get you on here to talk a little bit about that and give some insight into that. Into yeah, that it's, field. It's, it's, it's hilarious how people transferred property uh, as, as far back as you can remember, it could have been on a piece of an napkin paper, honestly. It yeah. could have been at a bar. Yeah. You know? They just put it in their pocket like, okay, that's great. That's mine. Now, obviously, now we, we go through counties. Uh, we go through state and you're required by legislation to have recorded information. But that, would always, that wasn't always the case. And that's sometimes why you see defects is because we don't have record because someone put it on a piece of napkin or a piece of paper and stuffed it in their closet. And, and it doesn't come out until someone, you know, today finds it in their grandparents closet that they own a piece of this property that hmm. you know they never knew about how, how often are you guys coming up against stuff like that like how often does something pop up where someone comes in and makes a claim that they own something even though there's no record or anything like that in the last 50 years 100 years or whatever it be sure good question um well i can i can tell you from a stamp from my standpoint you know our company keeps roughly about two billion dollars in claims reserves so that's to show you how much we're prepared legally Jeez. to fight court cases because, you know, like a car insurance policy claim, if you have a claim, you'll submit it to us. And uh, we were, we're prepared to analyze it and, and go to court and fight for your rights uh, if we insure you. So we've got to keep uh, a level of funds available for those types of claims. So um, I can tell you that there's there is a large quantity of claims yearly. Are you wow. guys? Are you guys doing the the title research um, as part of your company? We do. Okay. Yeah. 
if you come to me and ask me for a, a preliminary title report, which is kind of your due basic due diligence before you go to buy or sell a property or a lender goes to insure it as a refinance or a construction loan or loan modification, because we also issue lenders policies. Yeah. Policies lenders. Um, we will go to our plant and we have plants throughout the nation who are, ba are basically in essence libraries of, of documentation on recorded information about pro our property and land throughout the country. And we'll go and, and we'll pull that information and, and try to collect it as best we can in a, in a singular report with hyperlinks to related documents. And I don't know if you've ever looked at a preliminary title report, but if you click on a link, sometimes you get napkin type documents. You, <laughs> I can't. I can't. <laughs> so, um, and I've, I've read a thousand of these things. Yeah. Um, so we're doing our best to research them, examine them, and, and generate a report that makes sense to the general public or an attorney decipher um, the rights to property. What's uh, what's one of the more fascinating things you've uncovered in a title search or something, a title that you've seen? Anything come to mind? You know, it, it's fascinating just because every property is just so different. Yeah. Um, on the county or the city or the state you're working in. The thing that always uh, jumps out at me really is one, the illegible documents yeah. that you know are on title that you know one you can't decipher. There's just no way. I don't know how anybody does it. We have a fantastic team here at Fidelity that that manages that, and thank thank God for them. <laughs> um, but uh, but I, I would say um, just natural resources are are interesting, and then air rights mm. above property. Oh. Those are really interesting to me that someone can own the air mm -hmm. or uh, underneath the ground. And obviously you have utility companies that own, you know, ground, but mineral rights, yeah. you know, rights to things that you don't see. Yeah. Um, you know, they're just, it's just airspace. You know, I just, I just find that fascinating and what you can and can't do above or below your property. Yeah. Uh, so those those are fascinating to me, and then also I would I just I would just say like natural uh, natural life. So you've got bird bird reservations, you've got bugs that have rights to property. You can't develop on this property because you have bugs that live there. Yeah, and those bugs have rights. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, that's a big that's a big one for a lot of develop like home 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 builders and developers, right? I mean. They get into these situations where they find a prime piece of you know land, and all of a sudden you find one egg from a spotted something or others, anything, and it's like all of a sudden the deal's just screwed because mm -hmm. now it's a, yeah, that's scary. It certainly is. It can it can literally you can waste millions of dollars trying to develop a property and really have no control over the birds in in that area. Can you someone know, issue so. can someone issue a claim on something like that? If you buy property, and, and granted, I'm not an attorney, I'm not a claim specialist, um, so it is a case-by-case -case basis, but yeah. we have certainly had uh, individual property owners try to make a claim based on the fact that they didn't know yeah. there was uh, a, a, a bird conservation area that they bought and they were trying to develop. Mm. Um, you know, they, maybe they didn't mention the plans to develop in that, in that area, they just bought the land and... Uh, you know, it's possible that we didn't understand that there was a plans to develop that property. Yeah. Uh, maybe because you can certainly buy it and hold it. And yeah. That doesn't affect your, your title. But if you go in to develop it later on, um, you come into that struggle. 
Um, and I'm sure, sure it gets, I'm sure it gets muddy if, you know, a bird comes in after the fact <laughs> and then, you know, lands and, and has a nest on that land after you've already purchased it. I heard yeah. an interesting story where, um, I don't know if someone told it on this podcast, but they were developing some land and found a spotted something or something or other. And they had to basically build a sound wall next to the, uh, the nest. Mm-hmm. And they had they hired a guy that stood there with like a sound detector, microphone, uh, yeah. yeah, microphone to uh, to gauge the construct the noise level of the construction that was nearby, and he had to just sit there and wait and just make sure it didn't go up a certain decibel, and if it got close, then he had to stop everything and settle down for a certain amount of time. Uh, which obviously prolonged the construction, but uh, realize, realize you're actually paying somebody to do that. <laughs> yeah, that there's like actually saying. someone out there who does that job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. like all around, it makes no sense. For certain, I mean, all the different rights groups out there too. Every, I mean, we all we both know that uh, that you know there are groups out there who don't want to see your project developed, and they will do find any opportunity yeah. to stop your project or or put a wrinkle in your in your plans. We, pro- we probably need to shift gears on a conversation. I'm about this close to going off on people that have no idea what they're doing right now to the economy. So <laughs> we're we're actually out of time. Um, so Zach, any last comments uh, about title that you would want someone to to know a little bit more or um, to kind of leave people with to get a better explanation of um, of the title? Yeah, sure. And actually, I mean, there there's so much involved with title. We are very much involved from the very beginning of, of a property transaction all the way to a future development. If you are a developer planning on developing a project, we are literally involved in every step through the mapping, through your Department of Real Estate uh, filings, uh, and then the closures of future homes. Um, and that's on the home builder side. On the commercial side development, we're very much still involved in the mapping, construction, financing. So if you have a question about title, hundred percent recommend talking to a title executive sales executive like myself or a title company at a very early stage uh, of consideration for a future development or a property acquisition never hurts to get your title company involved very early on in the due diligence. And then because we come from the home building background and that's where I met you too, I'll, I'll, I want to leave people with this information, the department of real estate, if you were building homes, uh, they are not to be messed with. You need you need to get on the Department of Real Estate filing process sooner the better. And honestly, the process right now can take roughly nine months. So if you're planning on doing any home sale or home development in the future, and you wait to process your DRE paperwork till when you've built homes and you're ready to hand people the keys, you are going to have to wait another nine months before you can sell that home. So I would strongly suggest, like I said, getting getting into your title company involved in the process of your development as soon as possible so you can understand the processes and work with us to help you get across the finish line. And that is our ultimate goal is to help you get across the finish line, your real estate transaction or your development. So I'll leave you with that. And I appreciate your guys' time today. Thank you for having yeah, me Thank on. you, bud. I think this was a good topic to jump into it for our first yeah. one to talk about the title of your property so yeah seriously so thank you again zach thank you jason thank you to the listeners and we will see you on next tuesday thanks
Thanks again, guys. This show is part of the Gable Media Network. You can check out similar content at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. You can help support what we're doing here by leaving a five-star rating and a review on your preferred podcasting app. It helps others find us, and your support is the only way that this show grows. And don't forget to connect with us through our Facebook community, Instagram, and see the random thoughts and articles that we share on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thank you again for spending some time with us. Talk soon. Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise. From 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, Unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of Five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm.